Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello there, listener. This episode of The Second Tier is sponsored by Boot and Ball. They make artwork inspired by the world of sport. They've got 225 designs, 60 of which are for different football teams, including the likes of Reading, Derby, Blackburn, QPR. You get the idea. All their artwork is available via print, frame print and canvas. And because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 15% off using the code second tier. That's one word, all in capitals. Why not have a gander and see if something takes your fancy? Go to bootandballprints.com right now. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Vladimir Ivich to my Isco Munoz. It's Justin Peach. Very topical. Very true as well. Very topical. Justin, you got someone sent off today playing football. Yeah, well, you know, I, I got clobbered in the face with an elbow, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna rinse it. I'm gonna get the guy uh, a second yellow card, and uh, thankfully he did. And uh, well, we lost the game, so it doesn't really matter. Well, that, that's the kind of thing we're trying to get rid of in football nowadays, Justin. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of it. Just a dash. Disgusting. Didn't work. Disgusting didn't work. Behavior. So I got, I got, karma hit me. Karma hit me. I'm disappointed. On the show today, we have Billy Grant from the Brentford podcast, Be Sotted. Billy, how's it going? I'm pretty good at the moment, actually. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not, not, bad, not too bad. bad. From the Benjamin Bloom YouTube channel. It's Benjamin Bloom. Benjamin, you're right. I'm good. Yeah, I don't know whether to be happy um, that we're coming up to the playoffs or sad that it's soon all going to be over. Yeah, but we've got the Euros, so it's not too bad. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the games in the championship from the past weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days, and finish off with Simon Grayson's hateful eight. So let's start off with the big news. Watford are promoted after beating Millwall 1-0. More on that game in a bit. It essentially meant that the match between Bournemouth and Brentford was a warm-up for the playoffs, and the Bees won it 1-0. And Billy, you probably should have won this by more. Uh, definitely. This Bournemouth game, it's a bit of a strange one because obviously they were on a great form coming into it. We've been on up and down form. Okay, yes, we beat the Peony, um, you know, 5-0. Five, five you know, we put a lot of goals past them, but, you know, there's no two ways about it that we've been on, you know, up and down form. Uh, so coming into this Bournemouth game, obviously there's a bit of a fingers crossed beforehand that we'll be going into this game and there might be something that we can eke out at the end of it, you know, if we got a result. I have to admit, I was very, very surprised by Brentford after the, you know, the recent performances that they've had, how they started this game. Okay, Bournemouth had an early chance with Stanislas after eight minutes, but after that, they didn't really get much of a look in. And Brentford, you know, we missed, I don't know, I've looked at, I think there's about five or six or seven really, really good chances. If you believe in XG and that, you know, the XG was very high, the opportunities was high, and we didn't take those chances, but... Oh, Listen, it could have been, it could have easily been four or five. Yeah, a bit of a weird game, as you say, because both teams are at different ends of the spectrum in terms of the form. And despite Brentford being down to 10 men for nearly half the game, Bournemouth only managed one shot on target. So, Justin, we were asking in midweek who's going to stop Jonathan Woodgate's men. It turns out it's Brentford. Yeah, I guess I didn't see it coming. I just thought the, the the Bournemouth train would keep rolling. But as you say, Brentford were really impressive. Bournemouth got into the final third and didn't really know what to do. And it almost it looked even more sort of a, a sure and bet that Brentford were going to win the game, even with Pontus Janssen trying his hardest to not make that happen. But yeah, other than that first 10 minutes, it was hard to find anything impressive about Bournemouth in this game. So it's quite a surprise that they were sort of not stopped, but just weren't as productive going forward. Mm. Billy, after seeing Watford get promoted this weekend, it reminded me of a poll we put out a few months ago where we asked the listeners who's going up in the top two and the options we gave were Norwich or Brentford, Norwich or Swansea 
and Brentford or Swansea. And I think it says a lot about how Brentford have been over the past few months and Swansea that they were in that position and have ended up finishing quite a way behind Watford. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it, again, it is frustrating. And, you know, we've looked at it. We were top of the league and I think Bournemouth were 17 points behind us. And it wasn't too long ago. It was probably about six weeks ago. So it shows how things can really twist, especially when you're playing, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesdays, you know, and these games, you know, are happening. And also you're not getting the results. I mean, I, I've always said, and we've always said this 46 game season, you have to look at games over 46. We've had, we had a brilliant run of 21 games and then we had a, a not so good run, which has kind of, you know, probably going to leave us in third stroke, fourth position. You know, if it had been the other way around and we had a terrible run and then we'd gone into a good run afterwards, everyone said, oh, look at Brentford. They're great. They're in form. As far as I'm concerned, the most important thing is for us to be on form, going into the playoffs, on form in the playoffs and having our injured players back because that's what's going to make a difference. We're going to have three games, fingers crossed, to hope to show the world that we're able to do it for the very first time ever. Yeah, are you feeling confident heading into the playoffs? Listen, after seeing that result um, yesterday, uh, yes, I am, because I know we've got good players. Yes, we've got players missing. I don't know who's going to be coming back. If Rico Henry could come back um, for the players, that's going to be a massive boost for us. You know, Josh De Silva is out, unfortunately, for the players, so they're going to have to make do. But it just goes to show you that, you know, we've made a few switches in the last few games, which has obviously confused people, and uh, and we've, we've done the business. So are we going to do it for the playoffs? I think that... You know, any team that loses nine playoffs out of nine, and I've seen all of them as well, who loses six major finals in Wembley or Cardiff out of six, and I've six all of them as well, at one stage, they've got to win one of them. And this is 10th time. So listen, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and say it's going to be 10th time lucky. Brentford going to go out there completely positive. That's the same attitude Justin has with Derby, but it's not really worked for him <laughs> so far. Um, <laughs> Well, with automatic promotion wrapped up and also the playoffs, it means the only item on the championship agenda left of the season is the relegation battle. Based on results from this weekend, it seems like no one wants to stay up. So we'll talk about Derby first because they lost 2-1 to Birmingham after being a goal up at half-time. Benjamin, what did you make of this game? Just another classic championship afternoon, wasn't it? Sort of watching everything come in and Derby take the lead and you're like, OK, here we go. But, and I mean, I'm sure... Justin will know this better than me. Just absolute powder puff, aren't they? And the wrong team to be playing at the moment is Birmingham. And just standard championship, you, you even knew that it was going to be back post header or Jukovic double, didn't you? Um, so, yeah, and everyone's just looking with, like you say, the top two's done. The playoffs have just been locked up and we're all now well, neutrals, Sheffield Wednesday and Derby fans won't be hoping this, but from my point of view, we're just looking ahead at this possible head-to-head -head game on the last day of the season. But we now throw in the possibility or probability of, say, Brentford resting players against Rotherham or Swansea now don't have anything to play for in the game against Derby next week. And then we have the beautiful irony that Nottingham Forest play Sheffield Wednesday next week, where a Forest win is preferable for Derby. And we all know what fans sort of think about those sorts of things. So we could be headed for ground zero last day of the season. But, um, you know, specifically on the game, not a surprise at all. And um, Derby just cannot um, react to anything going against them at the moment, can they? No, Derby don't help themselves when they leave. Lukas Jukovic, one of the most dangerous target men in the championship. They leave him completely free twice for both of the goals, Justin. When you do that, you're asking for it, aren't you? He's six foot four, isn't he? He's massive. It's, it's, it's impossible to not mark him. It's, it's, it's negligent, I guess. But Birmingham played to their strengths, which is, you know, feed the Duke. Bowyer said it several times. He's scored as, as many goals under Bowyer as he did for Karanka, and Bowyer's only had eight games. Which, which speaks volumes of, of what Bowie has done to turn around not only the form of Birmingham City, but the players' form as well. They're, they're playing to their strengths and it's looking like an exciting few, few I say few years, hopefully it's a few years under Bowie because I think he's the only man that's going to get the best out of this team. Yeah, this is Derby's fifth straight loss and they've only had one win in 13. You've seen a lot of Derby in that time, Benjamin, and they are just incredibly atrocious at the moment, aren't they? It's so hard to kind of figure this out because 
I mean, we said this about Birmingham, actually, before uh, Bowie went in. You actually looked on the pitch and you're like, OK, you can see them maybe being in the bottom half, but why why so bad? And you kind of think player for player, you know, they're not they're not terrible footballers. So you start to then think about confidence or tactical stuff and um, you start to hear rumours about is Rooney listening to McLaren? Has that relationship gone? Is Rooney uh, hashtag lost the dressing room? Has that gone? Um, because it's very, very hard to figure out other than the obvious, they haven't had a striker all season and they don't score many goals. Yes, that's never going to help, is it? Um, it's quite hard to figure out how, you know, there's plenty worse fullbacks than Nathan Byrne or centre-halves than Matt Clark and... You know, Tom Lawrence has functioned much higher up the league. Um, good young players, Jason Knight. Um, obviously, the Bielik thing doesn't help at all, does it? Because probably the most vital player there hasn't been around. And look at the points per game with and the points per game without. And it's almost like Buendia, Michael Jordan type level, isn't it? <laughs> but um, I don't know. You, you have me reaching for a theory that can only be one of the intangibles that we're not seeing um, as fans from the outside. I've never heard Christian Bielik compared to Michael Jordan, but... Oh, it's, it's my Michael Jordan theory. Norwich fans hate it, but just um, the idea that one player disproportionately affects a team. I know that's far easier in basketball, but it sounds good, doesn't it? I, I'm, I'm all here for it. Uh, simple question then, Benjamin. Who do you think is going down? Oh, my God. It's not a simple <laughs> question at all, is it, Ryan? For goodness <laughs> sakes. So... Um, I'll say, I'm going to give a very complicated answer. I'll try not to waffle. Will Brentford rest players against Rotherham? Will Rotherham win ever again this season? Um, pass. Will Swansea rest players against Derby? Will Forrest try against Sheffield Wednesday? Will it go to the last day of the season? And I think the goal difference is completely even. Do you know what? I could see it going to the last day of the season and then Derby winning. Do you know what I mean? That's That would be like the most championship thing Thing possible. Um, it's just a shame because we've all seen these last day of the season things where it's just mental and the players um, like hear something from the stands and can't pass a ball for the next five minutes. It would have been an amazing shootout between two big clubs. Have I avoided answering the question, Ryan? Yes. <laughs> Justin, you're going to make a shout? I think based on based on the, the, the level of games, Rotherham have deserved... To, to stay up they're creating chances they should have beat Bosley yesterday um, bad refereeing decisions at times it's costing them and uh, as Ben said can we see him winning again yes no I, I, for me it's, it's, it's a guarantee that they're going to win a game this season Derby won't so I, I'm still sticking with Rotherham I've stuck by Rotherham pretty much all season so I'm going to say Rotherham stay up Derby will go down Billy do you care <laughs> no I'll tell you something I don't it, it's <laughs> It's it's quite it's quite a long way between us and there at the moment now, and it's it's quite nice to be in this position. But I've actually been quite I've been interested in this relegation battle actually because the the yo-yoing, the the docking of points, the giving back of points has actually made it all really interesting. And I thought it was a done deal. I thought Birmingham were gone. I really did think they were gone. And to be fair to Boyer, he has really turned that around. And somebody says like it's amazing. Birmingham City, typical every year their absolute toilet until something happens and then they play like like Real Madrid, you know, or probably not Real Madrid at the moment, you know what I'm saying? But they, they just turn it around and they do that at the end of the season. It's it Obviously, it's between Rotherham and Derby County at the moment now. I, I'm i actually a bit nervous about Rotherham um, because I th- th- their high-pressing game, as you know, very good, you know, and they're a good team and they just seem to eke out results. They're a bit knackered at the moment now. I don't know if we will just not be bothered to kind of bothered against them just to save ourselves a little bit because they are they are hard work and we might just say tell you something as long as we finish third or fourth or whatever you're going to finish that'll be fine we know you're going to play we leave it so I think that Derby are in trouble yeah I'm going to avoid answering the question because I just want everyone involved to have a nice time Billy and Benjamin <laughs> thank you for now we'll come back to you both a bit later on to play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight but for now me and Justin are taking you listener on a trip around the grounds shall we join the promotion party at Vicarage Road Watford are Premier League after beating Millwall 1-0. Mike Duffy is from the Watford podcast Voices of the Vic. Mike, what has been the main factor in Watford's success this season? Yeah, I, it's absolutely crazy, to be honest, because it's it's still not quite sunk in for me. 
Um, I think that the main factor or the main ingredient of the success, it's the real togetherness within that side. Obviously, under Vladimir Ivic, the connection between the players and the coach, it just, it was non-existent. Whereas Cisco's come in, he's the perfect yes man in that case. He's the perfect motivator. He's, he's been described by some players as a player first um, sort of coach. So, he, you know, he's regarded the players. He's, he's such a strong bond. And you can see the real team togetherness. We've had 15 different goal scorers this season, I think it is. Um, whereas the, the other teams that have been chasing us have sort of maybe been a bit reliant on one or two players to get all the goals. Whereas, you know, we've had eight, uh, 15 different goal scorers. So that really shows, that really highlights the togetherness that we've got. So it's been a real team effort. Well, that leads me on to my next question, Mike, because Norwich have Brendia, Brentford have Tony, Swansea have AU. Who has been Watford's standout player this season? It's hard, you know what, it's hard to nail down one specific player. I think you ask the majority of Watford fans and they would say that consistently over the course of the season, it would have to be Kiko Femenia. I think if Tom Cleverley hadn't got injured and had played pretty much the same amount of games as Kiko, then he would also have a strong case. Me personally, uh, I would give it to Kiko Femenia. The guy, other than his absolute stinker at um, you know, that club up the road that we won't talk about the other week, um, that was probably his worst performance this season. But he's just been absolutely superb. You know, he, he got a lot of stick in the Prem. People saying he perhaps wasn't a defender. He loves to go forwards but can't defend. This season, he's, he's improved his all-round game and he's been absolutely superb. So Kiko Femenia for me, but loads to choose from, believe me. Yeah, well, the million-dollar question, Mike, is how do you think you will do in the Premier League next season? <laughs> I've been asked this question quite a bit already, and I was like, yesterday, I was like, bloody hell, let, let us enjoy the promotion first. But um, in all seriousness, mate, if we if we recruit better, which I think the Potsos have maybe understood that we didn't perhaps prepare for last season the, the way we should have done in terms of recruitment, so hopefully they've sort of learnt the lesson from that, um, so, providing that we have a better recruitment sort of drive this year, then I think we can we can comfortably stay up. You know, I, there's I'm going to say mid table. You know, nothing nothing too high first season back. You know, it's it's very rare that teams do that. But I'm going to say a comfortable mid season uh, mid table finish. And um, yeah, that that's my prediction for that one. It's a bold prediction, Mike. Um... You say you need to recruit. What positions do you need to strengthen? Strengthen, we need to get an out-and-out goal scorer. Easier said than done, though, I know that. Um, but, yeah, we, we need someone that's going to score the goals. You know, Pedro's been, you know, really good this first full season in English football. But do I see him getting double figures in the Premier League? Unfortunately not. I'm more than happy to be proved wrong on that, though, uh, as I'm sure any Watford fan would be. But, yeah, we, we need we need someone that's going to get... get you know, double figures in the Premier League next season, that's for sure. Um, in terms of other areas, I think if we keep the players and midfielders, you know, it's vital that we keep hold of Saar, sort of goes without saying. It's vital we keep hold of Chalabar. Do Leicester come back in for him? We don't know. Uh, Will Hughes, it's vital we keep hold of him. If we can keep hold of players that have been absolutely superb for us, then I don't, I don't think we need to make too many additions. But I would say the main priority is getting a striker. And I'd maybe draft the goalkeeper in as well, possibly. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, Justin, let's quickly touch on the game itself before talking about the Premier League Hornets. It was a very comfortable win, really, wasn't it? It was worth pointing out Millwall had quite a few injury problems mm. heading into the game. So this result only ever seemed to be going one way, really. But Ishmael got the goal with an interesting penalty. He side-footed it straight down the middle, which is not something you see very often. Well, yeah, Beerkask is a good uh, a good shot stopper as well from penalties. So you know, nervy moments for, for Watford. But yeah, it was a it was a good win for them, and it was only going to be three points. They've they've been gearing up for promotion for for a while, and they've been just swatting teams away. Um, other than Luton, they've just been swatting teams away who get near them. They've got plenty. Plenty in the bank in terms of players, and as you say, Millwall having having injuries, it's probably it was probably a very good time to play them, especially after a couple of defeats as well. The other thing I enjoyed from this game was the referee dramatically looking at his watch at the end of the game. It's something I think referees must practice because no one looks at their watch the same way a referee does when it's the dying minutes of a game 
and it's a very important game. It's an art to perfect. Uh, let's big up Watford for a bit, shall we? They've deserved promotion, and it's been looking incredibly likely for a while that they were going up with Norwich. What do you think has been the key to their success this season? Uh, well, Isco Munez coming in. Um, that's obviously that. That's the main, the main change, and obviously going to that four-three-three system, which has got the best out of the the team because they've got a lot of very good in possession midfielders: Will Hughes, uh, Nathaniel Shalaber, um, uh, Philip Zinkanagu has played in there as well, and that that's allowed the front three to just go in and express themselves because with their movement and quality, there's always going to be chances. And as I say. The, the contrast between Ivic and, and Muniz is just so such a massive, massive difference. It was like watching, well, it's like cleaning your teeth with sandpaper under Ivic, whereas, <laughs> whereas, <laughs> whereas under Muniz, it's it's a lot. It's just a normal toothbrush. Let's be honest, it's nice. <laughs> what? How did that come to your head? <laughs> it's a great, it's a great point. These things just do. Um, but it's true. How it's true, isn't it? It's it's just one of the things. It's just very uncomfortable to watch. I, I take the point. It's just the most random simile I've ever heard in my life. And switching to Isco Munoz was obviously the turning point, wasn't it? I think the home form has been the main driving factor because Vicarage Road has been a fortress this season. They've only dropped points in four games at home this season. That is some record. And if you have home form as good as that, then you're always going to be in or around the top two, aren't you? Because their away form is actually pretty average. Uh, But as Mike was saying, it's been a real team effort. They've got a really talented squad, haven't they? And they made the most of it. Rotated players when they need to. And what I'm about to say is a bit of a backhanded compliment, Justin. But the biggest indicator that this has been a team effort from Watford is that when we do our team of the season in a month's time, I don't think there's going to be any Watford players in there. Maybe Will Hughes might be in there, actually. But either way, it's bizarre to say that about a team who's quite comfortably finished second. Uh, Right, Premier League Watford, Justin. What do you think? How do you think Watford will do? Mike says he thinks mid-table. What do you think? Well, in my opinion, it's a poor Premier League. So it it wouldn't surprise me. Watford are good at... um... Good at recruitment, you know the link up with the clubs with Udinese and, and and Granada. It helps them a lot because they can bring in talented, talented, skillful players from abroad um, fairly easily. Um, they've got a very good scouting network as well, so it's just a case of bringing in the right players, especially up front. Shao Pedro's still still young. We forget how young he is. Is he going to be the man to lead the lineup? No, Troy Deeney injury problems. Is he going to be the man to lead the line next season? Probably not. So it's just adding the right players in the right positions because. Defensively, Trusta Kong, I think he's gone under the radar because they've rotated very well. So that's probably why you know we're not going to see many of them in a, in a team of the season because of how how often they rotate. But players like that, they're ready made for the Premier League. So I think with a couple of additions, mid table, maybe a bit bit of a stretch, but in and around there, maybe. Yeah, I think they've got all the ingredients for a Premier League side. It's a very similar team to the one which only got relegated last season, really, exactly. isn't it? I think they need to bring in a striker. If I was Watford, I'd be having a look at some of the players in the Championship. I don't want to name any names because I'll upset some fans <laughs> of other teams. But I could reel off at least five strikers who I think are Premier League ready. Apart from recruitment, I think the most important thing is Isco Munoz adapting his tapti- tactics. I mean, it's something which goes for every team who gets promoted. But they're going to have to get used to not having the ball as much. Uh, but they have got the likes of Saar, who was loving life. Uh, when Watford were this counter-attacking side last season, weren't they? So as long as mm-hmm. Munoz is able to adapt, then they could have a good season. In fact, I'd go as far to say I think they're better prepared for the Premier League than Norwich. I don't know about you. They've got the they had a bigger bu- bigger budget than Norwich. They can afford higher transfer fees than Norwich. So in that sense, yes, because they they've already got the players essentially. Whereas Norwich will have to pick up a few more. So you're probably right on those lines, yeah. Let's move on to the relegation battle, Justin. We've spoken about Derby already, but Rotherham aren't helping themselves as they lost again, this time 1-0 to Barnsley. The goal came in the third minute from Carlton Morris. And as soon as I saw it, I said, how has that goal stood? For anyone who hasn't seen it, Morris has absolutely clattered into the Rotherham goalkeeper, Johansson. And I'm a big campaigner against goalkeepers getting too much protection. But this, this was ridiculous. Yeah, it was quite a quite a knockout, shall we say. I think Paul Warren said in his post-match presser that Johansson's actually fractured his eye socket, mm. which 
I'm not going to try and escalate it a little bit or, or, or exaggerate, shall we say, but it's a red card offence for me. You can't lead with your elbow. Carlton Morris was surprised the gold was given. He was he said it himself he was expecting it to be to be chalked off and it should have been. Absolutely should have been. Goalkeepers do get too much protection, but this is on the other side of the spectrum, isn't it? It's just it's too far the other way. I just can't believe the referee's given it. Even one of the, if you watch the goal again, one of the Barnsley players turns to the referee, kind of expecting him to overturn it, but he doesn't. And for me, it's a contender for worst decision of the season. We've had a few, but this is right up there because it is astounding that he wasn't ruled out. The rest of the game was remarkable. And I think the best way to sum it up is by saying the obvious man of the match was Barnsley's goalkeeper, Brad Collins. <laughs> yeah, yes, he's been, from a Barnsley perspective, he's been tremendous, but that tells the story of the game quite well. Rotherham, again, created a lot of chances, missed a lot of chances, and they're running out of lifelines that Derby uh, are giving them, and they have to, they have to start taking them, otherwise... They're going to run out of time, and I think they will. I think it's inevitable that they will pick up some goals and then wins, essentially. But yeah, it's, it was a, it was a good performance from Rotherham and a poor performance from Barnsley. But Barnsley aren't complaining; they've got a one 0 win. They're in the playoffs. Happy days. Yeah, and we've spoken a lot about fatigue affecting Rotherham during the past month. But some of the chances they've missed in that time—it's it's unbelievable. It means they've lost the last four, still four points behind Derby and four games in hand, but time is running out. We keep saying Rotherham playing well, but that doesn't really mean anything if you're not getting points on the board. And time's running out now, isn't it? They've got Brentford in midweek as well, so that's a big old game. Well, this is it. Barnsley play poorly in this game, they win 1-0. Rotherham will take that all day. Next four games that they've got, they'll take it all day. They'll play crap and get 1-0 wins. You'd, you want that. Playing well and losing is probably the most frustrating thing in football. When you're playing well and you're not putting away chances, it, it, it absolutely kills you and that just builds up the hope and, and, and brings fans down. But going back to the refereeing decision, it's these massive calls that affect seasons, essentially in Rotherham's case. They're affecting seasons and it's not it's not good enough. Yeah, well, they had this and then they had the Crooks red card exactly. against Middlesbrough as well, which we both said was a red card, but I can understand why people didn't think it was a red card. VAR would have ruled it out. Let's be honest. <laughs> don't, don't pull that card. <laughs> um, Barnsley have been used to dominating sides this season. This was one occasion where that didn't happen. But they have now cruised into the playoffs and that's secure now after Reading drew. Barnsley just two losses in their last 19. It's a phenomenal record. Wednesday missed the opportunity to make the most of Derby and Rotherham's losses. They were beaten 3-1 by Middlesbrough. Wednesday, in a similar boat to Rotherham actually, missed some amazing chances. It's amazing, isn't it? Because Derby are in a, in a rut at the moment where they're not creating anything, not putting away chances. I know they scored yesterday, but you compare them to the likes of Wednesday and Rotherham. Wednesday and Rotherham are, are so prolific in creating chances at the moment and they're just missing a little bit, just a tiny, tiny bit that is essentially just putting the ball in the back of the net. And as you say, when when you, when you when you're not doing that, and then team puts one past you, your head drops, your head drops, and it, it becomes even harder to get back into the game. Um, and it, it was a it was a big, big defeat here for, for, for Wednesday because they've got a chance of getting out of the relegation spot. Yeah, fine margins. Fine margins indeed. Andre Green made just his second start of the season, someone I completely forgot about, but he had mm. a good game, actually. Yeah. Uh, this was a frustrating game for Wednesday. They played so well, but it was a game they had to get something from. And they're now in a position where if they lose either of their last two games, then they're down. Yeah. They have got Forrest next, who, as we know, will be doing everything in their power to try and help out Derby. Um, <laughs> exciting times at Middlesbrough, though. 18-year-old Josh Coburn got one of their goals. In midweek, another young lad, Connor Malley, got man of the match. So two names to remember for next season. Neil Warnock's giving the kids a go. He is. And I just want to credit Josh Cob Coburn even more for this goal because the header was so impressive He's been prolific in academy games, and it's and it's hard for a striker to step up at this level. But that goal for me is an indication of him possibly being able to make that step up because the header was tremendous. He's risen high. He's he's battled the defender to get above it, and he's an academy lad. Great header, great great future. Hopefully, hopefully. Well, this is the perfect time for exactly you know, someone like Warnock to give these young lads a give them a chance because Middlesbrough have always had a great academy, haven't they? Always yeah. have done, yeah. and now. This is a chance to really reap the rewards from it. And he has given quite a few kids chances this season. And now he's given even more kids chances now. So uh, good to see. Good to see from old Neil. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll carry on talking about the rest of the teams involved in the relegation battle and the playoff battle. 
I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that, of course, includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either. They've also got track suits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Despite all the teams below them losing, Huddersfield still aren't safe yet. They were thumped 5-2 by Blackburn. Adam Armstrong getting a hat-trick. Joining us now from the Huddersfield Podcast, and he takes that chance, is Matt Shaw. And Matt, this wasn't a great performance by Huddersfield, was it? No, mate. The The last three seasons have been utterly miserable for all Huddersfield Town fans, I, I think, and Yesterday we played a Blackburn side who had Pina Coladas in hand in holiday mode and, and never left second gear, yet the 5-1 up against us inside 60 minutes. Uh, we've seen some utterly abject results in, in 2021, but in some ways this felt like the worst of them due to the lack of care and respect for the football club that this team is currently showing. Uh, Carlos yesterday had pretty much a full side to pick from. Okay, not all 100% fit, but what we saw yesterday was uh, disgraceful for the first hour. Yeah, Huddersfield aren't safe yet, but I'd be very surprised if they actually did go down. But if that did happen, based on the performances we've seen in 2021, it'd be hard to argue that they wouldn't deserve to go down. Yeah, three wins in 21 games this calendar year, not very good really. Uh, You could argue that COVID has made this season almost impossible for Wickham, uh, that they were playing catch-up from the start really. Uh, Would we have finished below a Sheffield Wednesday affected by a 12 and then 6 point penalty? Who knows? And Rotherham must feel like the unluckiest side in the world based on some of the games that I've I've seen them play this year. So, yeah, we've been fortunate on that side. But in our defence, I'll be very surprised if anyone in, in this league has had the consistent number of injuries to first-team players that we've had, uh, which has been about seven or eight first-team players missing every week for a good four or five months, uh, which I guess can excuse some of the things that we've seen, but certainly not all of it. Yeah, and Matt, Carlos Corporan, is he a bit under pressure? based on how bad Huddersfield have been in the past few months? From the supporters, yes. Uh, There's an increasing groundswell of opinion amongst the the Huddersfield fans that Carlos isn't the man to take us forward. Uh, Some fans seem to think Carlos is is no more than an inflated kids coach out of his depth. Uh, But on the other side, our owner seems to fully believe that he's unearthed something special and that Carlos is a bit of a, a super coach at this level, or potentially one. Uh, The owner's given Carlos a new... Uh, and his team a new lengthy contract around Christmas. Then in in several sort of subsequent board statements, he's then doubled, trebled, and quadrupled down on it, on his belief that Carlos and uh, his team are the ones that will take us forward. Uh, so I think speculating about uh, the management team's future seems a bit pointless, to be honest, uh, as from what the owner says, he's they've got the full backing uh, of the board. Uh, so it looks like they'll be here next year. Uh, but who won't be here next year will be probably 10 to 12 players, uh, some of whom have really let the club and themselves down over over the last couple of seasons. Uh, this will give the club the opportunity to bring in more of the type of player Carlos wants and needs. Uh, however, in my opinion, the club structure doesn't look set up right for, for Carlos and the club's record in transfers over the last three years up to the latest window is is absolutely pitiful, to be frank. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, some of the worst defending you'll see all season here from Huddersfield. It was Sunday league stuff, wasn't it, Justin? As a Sunday league player, I want to distance myself from that sort of defending because it's not even Sunday league defending. It was terrible. It really was. And they've got previous, haven't they? They really do. I think it was one of the goals. Um, I think it was Brereton's first. Kia was lying on the ground before Brereton even received the ball. (laughs) Uh, It's an experienced defender. And they've got experienced defenders. And you're just asking yourself, put yourselves in a position to make relegation a, a distant memory because there's still there's, there's still that possibility for them. And with that defending, if if Derby pick up points, if Rotherham pick up points, Rotherham can get sucked into it. Now's the time to step up and they're not doing it. They're just falling back into that mould where they're not very good again. Huddersfield could get sucked into it. Yeah. 
you said rather than um <laughs> i'm just saying it now before someone messages us very angrily on twitter and um, remarkably huddersfield have got the second worst defense in the league but at home have got the eighth best defensive record so Strange. that says a lot about how bad they've been away from home they just seem to lose all sense of stopping goals huddersfield should be all right they're four points ahead of Derby and the fact the teams below them can't find a win for love nor money means we should be seeing them next season. Question is, should we be seeing Carlos Corbran next season? We spoke about it just then with Matt, but what do you think, Justin? Because they have been pretty terrible over the past few months. They have, but I really like Carlos Corbran. I really, really do. I really rate him as a coach as well. Why though? Because they, they've been so bad. De- defensively, they're a shambles. I think yeah, he's learning his trade, let's be honest. It's his first job and it's a big job as well because I guess similar to Rooney, they're trying to handle a transition while trying not to be relegated. And they have a poor set of players as well. You look at the players that they brought in, Naby Sarr, relegated with Charlton, left a lot to be desired defensively. Ryan Schofield's in goal, young, youngish goalkeeper, leaves a lot to be desired. There's a, I think I read an article actually, there's no legacy from the Premier League voters field. They're literally starting again. So you have to you have to really consider that sort of context before you even start mentioning Carlos Colburn to be sacked. They have to go from the very foundations and upwards, and I think Colburn's the man to lead that. I accept he's a young manager, but when you're in a position like Huddersfield are, you can't be giving young managers this much of a chance if they continue to be so bad. Because this form could easily carry on into next season. And if that happens, then Huddersfield will be right down there at the start of the season, and that's not something you want. It isn't. But Colbrand also wears chinos. And this, wear is a, this is a very valid point because no other manager in the Championship at the moment wears chinos. And he looks damn good in them as well. He looks damn good in them. And I think saying he should be sacked is against chinos and Carlos Colbrand. I'm not accepting that. <laughs> the thing is as well, um, going back to the serious point, um, <laughs> the squad, as Matt rightly said just a second ago, is going to be very different next season because quite a few players out of contract. Um, a lot of them are experienced players who have just been given a short-term deal. And it's going to be interesting to see how Huddersfield um, adapt to that. Because a lot of the players they get are from abroad, aren't they? Mm. Um, And with the new rules about Brexit as well, it might make that a bit more complicated. So it's going to be an interesting summer for Huddersfield, assuming they still are in the Championship next season. Uh, Blackburn's performance came a bit off nowhere, didn't it? Only Only their third win since the start of February. Although, when Huddersfield defend like that, the job does get made a bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah, there were a lot of times where you were looking, I think it was a throw-in, and Nobby Saar just let one of the Blackburn players through. I can't remember, it might have been Brereton again, just let him through, and it's like, track him, make it difficult for him. But they made it easy. But then again, Blackburn put the chances away where they haven't done before. They've been very wasteful in, in, the, in the final third, but they created so many chances. This could have been 10 let alone 5-2 it really was that one side and it was it was a nice throwback to September where we saw Blackburn destroying teams because this is what it was it was a heavy heavy win for, for Blackburn and a really bad defeat for Huddersfield yeah Adam Armstrong had a good time he got a hat-trick and an assist and then the second time where he scored in his last 10 games um, Wickham aren't officially relegated yet but are as good as down after losing 2-1 to Cardiff Another game where the team on the losing side will count themselves unlucky because they had some good chances, didn't they? They did. They, they just came up short at times with, with certain shots and certain passes, but it tells you of the, the endeavour and the spirit that Wickham have because they kept creating, they kept they kept going. Um, but it's just that what what's something that's impacted them all season is that little bit of quality um, that, they, that, that they haven't got. They've got so much character and grit and determination. But it only gets you so far in the championship. You need you need quality, and it's something that they've lacked. If they had a little bit, if if they had just a tiny bit more than they've got now, I think they would have stayed up. To be honest with you, because they've got enough, they've got enough in the tank mentally to to get to get get through it. Mm. Keith Moore scored a superb goal. I do love that man, Justin. I know he's probably know. It's he's probably <laughs> he, but he's probably one of my favourite players in the whole division. I don't know about you. He's good. He's got the whole package. He's, he's quick. A bit like Daryl DK. He's quick. He's a good number nine. He's, he's a good finisher. He's good in the air. Um, I mean, looking at from a Wales perspective, it's going to be a very good Euros with him as a as the main man because they've not had that in the past. And I think he's Cardiff's first 20-goal scorer um, since Peter Whittingham in like 2010 when he hit 20-odd goals. So it tells you how much of a good investment he was for Cardiff and 
Yobi can carry it on into next season without the the likes of Ojo and Wilson supplying. Mm. Well, as you rightly say, he can just do it all. Mm. He can do no wrong. And when you look at a six foot five target man, they have a tendency to be big lumps and you know, big lethargic lumbering lumps. But he's not. He's bloody quick. And this is a horrible cliche, and I hate myself for uttering these words. But he's got great feet for oh. a big man. I said it, yeah, I'm po- I apologise. But that cliche is often true. But it's not the case with Big Keith, is it? He's just, he's just brilliant. I, I do love the bloke so much. And going back to the game, Wickham virtually down now. We spoke with Phil uh, from the Ring in the Blues podcast last week about their chances of coming straight back up. Do you fancy them to do that? Uh, I think I'd, I think I do actually. I, th- I think it was Yeovil back in the thirteen fourteen season. They were they were good, but they gave a lot of. Um, they would go ahead in games and they they throw it away, and then they went downward. But Wickham are, are better managed behind the scenes. The budget really well. They don't overspend. Whereas Wickham uh, Yeovil did that season, which is why they went down to the conference now. Um, so what Wickham have got is level headedness throughout, and I think that's going to stand them in good stead. A bit like how Rotherham. Have been doing last few years where they've been up and down in the championship to league one it's not a bad thing because it provides your platform to keep going your budgets get higher with the more sponsorship money you get and players being sold so yeah i do fancy wickham i really do especially under ainsworth it might change if he goes though yeah well that's it isn't it? there's quite a few question marks if ainsworth goes then it's, it's a bit bit of a different story isn't it because he's so key to that club and such a good manager um, the other thing is as Phil rightly said last week they're coming up against some big old clubs in League One next season aren't they well, we still don't know who's in there yet but the likes of Sunderland Ipswich these are massive clubs compared to someone like Wickham and the thing is as well I imagine a couple of their players may have caught the eye of championship clubs next season Wickham can't afford to turn down million pound bids for some of these players. So if someone comes in for the likes of Uchiik Piazzu, they're going to have to sell, aren't they? Um, and finding replacements for those kind of players, it's easier said than done. So I, I've got my doubts, but they've shown that they are capable of competing at this level and they'll take encouragement from that into next season, won't they? Uh, final point on this game, Will Volks came on in the 93rd minute for Cardiff and was sent off in the 94th minute. Someone fancied an early holiday. <laughs> Reliable. <laughs> Norwich are a win away from securing the championship title after beating QPR 3-1. Quite an open game. QPR missed a penalty, which could have made it quite interesting. I'll tell you what, Justin. Norwich's last three games have rang a couple of alarm bells in my head. They've been very open at the back and... It's not what you want to see from a side who struggled with the defensive side of things in the Premier League last season. You've got to remember Ben Gibson's injured and they're probably hung over as well. So <laughs> I, I, I disagree. I just think it's that usual complacency that sets in once you've confirmed a promotion. It's sometimes the worst thing that can happen to you, especially if you've got four games left and you're trying to go for the title with Watford breathing down your neck as well. Um, so I, 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 there aren't a long bells there because planning's already in place for next season for for Norwich under Farker and Weber. I think they're they're just they're just managing the season out. And it was an open game. QPR are a good team, but they beat them three one. Yeah, it's a fair point. Reading's playoff hopes are officially over now after they drew two two with Swansea. It became quite apparent over the past couple of weeks that Reading weren't going to make the playoffs, didn't it? Because not only were they increasingly further away from the playoffs but they weren't playing very well but this was a decent game Reading were leading for a lot of it and the game only swung in Swansea's favour when Andre Ayew came on and I think that's a very good summary of Swansea for 64 minutes not much of a threat bring on Ayew everything changes he's a talented player isn't he he's, he's, he's very good at what he does very experienced international football Champions League experience he's, he's got it all we, we know what he can do I think the disappointing thing is other players aren't stepping up when, when he's not around or Perhaps not stepping up, but aren't aren't having the same influence that he is, and that's difficult to do because of how good he is. Um, but it tells you that that Swansea will need to recruit if AU is going to be there next season. Even if he is, they will need to recruit someone. And I think Steve Cooper's done. He's worked magic with with, with his hands tied behind his back. Um, you know, he's got AU playing really well. He's got Jamal Lowe transforming him into a, a very good striker. There's just something a little bit not quite right in that final third. And that's unfortunately what's putting doubts in people's minds. Well, the the thing is, 
it doesn't look like AU will be there next season if they are in the championship. I'll be very surprised if he is. If they go up, he might stay because his contract expires in the summer. Um, but I, I take your point about Cooper. A good manager, though, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here, a good manager would still be able to get a performance out of this team even without their best player. I accept AU is a very, very talented player, but a good manager would be able to get a performance out of the players left, wouldn't they? No, I understand that. And that's you've got to remember as well, this is Steve Cooper's first senior job. He's had one year's experience last season under Swansea, got him into the playoffs. Um, and he's done the same this season. He's got Swansea into playoffs. For me, I think Swansea are punching. I really do. I think they've got a, they've got a good squad, but it's not, filled with quality they've not it's not like a Brentford or even a Barnsley Barnsley have got replacements for, for everyone in every position Swansea don't have that you, you look at the amount of minutes Connor Roberts has played I think it's just left wing back where they've got a bit of depth so I feel for Steve Cooper because there are a lot of fans that aren't with him um, but I think given another summer uh, a few more transfers coming in and A is going to leave a big hole in the budget as well to bring in some players so there's, there's potential there to replace with with Two or three, let's say. Mm. John Swift pulled off a magnificent assist for the first Reading goal. you got to ask where would Reading be had he been fit all season. It could have been a completely different story. Interestingly, I was listening to the guys from Elm Park Royals, the Reading podcast. They think Panovic might not be at Reading next season. What do you think about that, Justin? Well, I was listening to the interview post-game and I think it was David Craig who's the, the interviewer and he was sort of suggesting all of this as well and Panovic was just trying to pat it away but it's it's strange isn't it I'd be surprised if he left but given that Mark Bowen left quite acrimoniously I wouldn't be surprised I think it would be a massive mistake like I thought Mark Bowen leaving last season was a massive mistake I, I think they're, they're going somewhere under Panovic and I don't think that there are many managers that will get more out of this team than, than those two it, it, I think the third one might be a bit a bridge too far shall we say well, the thinking is from Reading fans that the owner has obviously spent a lot of money um, trying to get the club promoted and Panovic hasn't accomplished that and they've fallen out of the playoffs at the last hurdle. Um, so the theory is that he might not be very happy with that and decide to bring in someone else. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it does happen. Some fans actually want him out, which I think is incredibly harsh because if, if you offered a Reading fan seventh place at the start of the season, I think they probably would have taken it, wouldn't they? But we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Coventry and Preston are officially safe. They met on Saturday and Preston won 1-0 thanks to an Alan Brown penalty. The most interesting bit from this game was the goalkeeper, Ben Wilson, giving it away because it was quite funny. He just completely misjudged the bounce of the ball and watched it fly over his head before bringing down the Preston player this Sunday afternoon Bristol City and Luton met Bristol City were 2-0 up before losing 3-2 and kind of sums up how poor Bristol City are at the moment they are really really struggling and then the final game was Forest and Stoke they drew one all adult dual game between two two teams who have nothing to play for but there you go right now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news. Hull are rejoining us next season, Justin. They've been promoted back to the Championship from League One. We'll be honest, obviously I haven't been paying too much attention to League One as I have done with the Championship. But after after Hull's complete and utter implosion in the second half of last season, Grant McCann has done a bloody good job to bounce back first time, hasn't he? Yeah, you have to understand as well, they were terrible. The, the run of form was ridiculous ridiculously bad and to go from top 10 to bottom three in the space of four months is catastrophic really um and obviously they lost Jared Bowen as well so getting getting the right players in in the summer was essential and they did that Louis Coyle's a good player um Keen Lewis Potter's a young player who's, who's rising through the ranks he's been impressive this season and Malik, Malik Wilkes is is to turn himself into a very good league one player it's, it's going to be interesting to see if he can do it again in the championship because obviously he went to Barnsley didn't quite work out for him went to Hull and it's worked out for him so they're going to be an interesting side next season I think they might surprise a few 
Yeah, Mally Wilkes is someone who's been talked about for quite some time, hasn't he? And he was kind of just looking for a home where he could actually, you know, go out there and do his thing. And he's finally found that at Hull. They've got a good young side, actually, as you mentioned, Keen Lewis Potter. We saw him glimpses last season, didn't we, coming off the bench. He looks a great player now. George Honeyman has been, by all accounts, one of the best players in League One last season in midfield. So good to see the Tigers back. Um, also got worth pointing out, they didn't just lose Bowen. They lost Grisicki, Irvin. Irvine, sorry. Um, so many players. They lost pretty much half a squad. Yeah. And the fact that they've managed to piece it back together, it was one hell of a rebuilding job. And we thought Grant McCann might be in danger of losing his job, but he's hung on and managed to turn it around. It's been fantastic to see. Uh, Peterborough will be joining us soon as well, but we'll talk about them when that's mathematically secure, Justin. Championship clubs are boycotting social media next weekend. It's in response to, quote, ongoing and sustained discriminatory abuse players receive online. I saw a few people saying, what's the point? What's it going to achieve? And it's not about achieving anything, is it? It's 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 not like clubs are doing this and expecting abuse to just stop. But it's about drawing attention to it because abuse keeps happening and social media companies are not doing much about it. That's it, isn't it? They're not doing anything. So if you if you remove the recipients of the abuse from the situation these 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 abuse cases they're going to drop because there's there's no one to abuse essentially that they've they've come off and i think them i think football clubs making a stand is really important especially at this point in the season i think we all need to chase it with the same vigor we did with the european super league and you know if we do i hope i hope we see change very soon we need it we absolutely do need it we we we've talking about this far too many times this season because it happens far too many times yeah, it's incredibly depressing. QPR have denied that Mark Warburton is considering leaving the club to take up a technical director role at the FA. There were reports earlier in the week that he'd been interviewed for the job, but the club say there's no truth to them. Interesting, that. Very interesting. Mm. Cardiff boss Mick McCarthy says he isn't expecting Loney's Harry Wilson and Shea Yojo to return to the club next season. It's about time those two found a permanent home, isn't it? They seem to have been at Liverpool for years. In fact, they have. Yeah, this is an issue that some big clubs have is they stockpile players. This is what I fear with Harvey Elliott because he's clearly got quality, but is he going to get an opportunity at Liverpool? Maybe, maybe not. I see Harry Wilson going to a lower Premier League side and, and thriving. I mean, he thrived at Bournemouth when they were relegated. He did very well that season, so I was surprised no one picked him up last summer, but then again, COVID's affected transfer strategies that might have had an impact. And Shea Ojo, yeah, been around for years. He must be about 30 now. That's what it feels like. You know, <laughs> Give these players a home. Tw- they're 24 and 23, actually. Still quite old, actually. Not young anymore, are they? Well, that's it. It surprises me that they're still at Liverpool, really. The thing is with Wilson, in particular, because it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes if he does go anywhere. Because Liverpool are going to be asking at least 10 million, aren't they? But based on the season he's had at Cardiff, it's not been a bad season by any means. But I can't see anyone stumping up 10 million quid for him. No, it'll be another loan spell, unfortunately, until he runs his contract down and leaves on a free transfer. It'd be a bloody good free transfer. But maybe Liverpool will look at that and think, well, we may as well cash in on him. But I just can't see anyone paying a ridiculous amount of money for him. Anyway, Henry Lansbury's red card has been rescinded after the bizarre handball incident in the Bristol City Wednesday game last weekend. Good, (laughs) because it was just bizarre. Uh, And finally, has Derby's takeover been complete yet? It hasn't. I completely forgot about it, actually. So it hasn't. No, we said it. Alonso said it'll be done. It hasn't. We're back to square one. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Because we were doing this for ages with the previous takeover and now we've got a new takeover and we're doing it again because apparently it was meant to be done, what, start last week? And it's still not happened. Part of me thinks, and this is me just being cynical, he might be waiting to see if Derby get relegated or not. Um, And can you blame him, to be honest? Because if Derby do get down, I'm not sure I'd want to invest so much money into him. Um, Justin, let's do some polls. This is the part of the show where we get the listener to help us out with three questions that we have put to them. Three big questions this week. Three massive questions. First off, who will do better in the Premier League, Norwich or Watford? I think we said it earlier, didn't we? I think we have, I think Watford will do better. But it depends who Norwich bring in. I think if Norwich bring in the right players... I like Falkball. I, I, I think Falkball might thrive for part two in the Premier League. So, But I'll let you watch Watford. Yeah, 54% said Watford, 46% said Norwich. So it's a close one. Um, who will win the playoffs now that we know who's in there? Barnsley, Bournemouth, Brentford, Swansea. Barnsley, and I'm good. I've not spoken about this yet. Every team Barnsley play, they have to 
play Barnsley's way. They have to adapt their own game. And those three teams, I don't think they're capable of doing that. So Simple. I think Barnsley. We'll get into more detail about that of course, of nearer course. the time, of course. Uh, 45% said Bournemouth, 29% said Barnsley, 19% said Brentford, only 7% said Swansea. And you've, it, it has got to be said, Swansea do look like the outsiders at the moment, don't they? They do, yeah. yeah it's uh, and finally, what is the best non-traditional crisp? Mini cheddars, Monster Munch, Knickknacks or Skips? Oh, what's it's non-traditional or oh, traditional? About what's it? Oh, I should have included right. them. Sorry. Are you, you going to say what's it then? I'm going to say what's it. I like I like a crisp that melts in your mouth because anything else is too is a bit too sharp for me. A bit too crunchy. Monster Munch. Monster Munch melts in your mouth, doesn't it? No, it cripples your teeth. Monster <laughs> Munch is like chewing have on rocks. Ate, have you ever ate Monster Munch? They do uh, not. They're not hard. Yes, they are. We're, your we're gums are destroyed after here. that. Your gums are completely destroyed after a monster munch. I didn't realise you had such fragile gums. Yeah, well, dentist isn't happy either, so... Forty <laughs> <laughs> percent uh, said monster munch. Twenty-seven percent said mini cheddars. Eighteen percent said skips. Fifteen percent nicked said knickknacks. I think knickknacks have been hard done by. To be honest, I do like a knickknack. Um, I love knickknacks. They're superb. Mm. The barbecue flavour. Anyway, this isn't that for, <laughs> for knickknacks. Right now, it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. Billy Grant from the Brentford podcast Be Sotted and Benjamin Bloom from the Benjamin Bloom YouTube channel. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name the last eight clubs to finish second in the championship and Justin would say West Brom, that's one down. And Billy would say Sheffield United, that's another down. But if Benjamin would say Liverpool, then he'd be out. <laughs> so what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. So Brentford are quite good at the old transfer business, aren't they? They like buying players cheap and selling them for big money. Since they've been promoted to the championship, can you name me the eight players Brentford have made the biggest profit on? So for clarity, that must be who they've sold after they were promoted to the championship in 2014. And we're not counting academy players like Chris Mappen, for example. And it's my say, which is final on the fees. So there you go. Um, Justin, we'll start with you. Can you name me a player Brentford have made a big old profit on? Uh, I'd, I'd start with Neil Mope, a bit of an easy one. Yes, he is the third highest profit they've made. He came from St Etienne for £1.6 million and went to Brighton for £16 million, just over a £14 million profit. Billy, your go. Shall I go? Right, I'm going to go for um, Ben Rama. Yep, he's the second highest. Joined from Nice for one and a half. went to West Ham for £25 million, £23 million profit. Benjamin, your go. England's... Ollie Watkins. Yes, he's the player they've made the biggest profit on. Uh, just under £2 million from Exeter, sold to Villa for £28 million, so £26 million profit. Right, you've got five to go. You're all still in. Justin, you'll go. Ezra Konza was bought from Charlton, wasn't he? Sold yes. to Villa. Yes, he was. £2.5 million, went to Villa for £12 million. £9.5 million profit. Billy, you'll go. Four left. So let's go for Mr Andre Gray. Yes, came from Luton for half a million, went to Burnley for 11 million, 10 and a half million pound profit. You've got three left. You're all still in, but you're down to the tricky ones now. Uh, Benjamin, your go. Uh, Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother, Scott Hogan. Yes, I was wondering if people would forget about him. Joined from Rochdale for three quarters of a million, left for 12 million to go to Villa. What a fantastic transfer that turned out to be. So you've got two left, and these are the two lowest ones on this list. Uh, Justin, you're fist pumping. Yes, completely forgot about this one. James Tarkovsky. James Tarkovsky is not on there. Oh, what? Justin's out, unfortunately. So it's down to Benjamin and Billy. You've got two left. Billy, you'll go. Who do we, who do we sell? It was... Uh, um... Uh, I'm going to have to push it. Hold on a second. I'm going to give you five seconds. So the lowest ones. Uh, uh, Answer. Uh, no, you're out. You, uh, you've bowled it, Bill. Uh, Benjamin, that means you're the last man standing. You've got two to go. Can you get them? I believe 
the Chinese paid an absolute fortune for Nico Yanaris. Nico Yanaris is just off. He was a four and a half million pound profit. So, no. Uh, wow. Unfortunately, you've just missed yeah. out. But that's unlucky. Potter? That is really unlucky. The answers were Yotta. Yep, you're right there. Came from Celta Vigo for a million, left to Birmingham for six million. And the other one was Ryan Woods. Joined from Shrewsbury for a million, went to Stoke for six million. You had a decent go, but you all failed. So there you go. Uh, This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. Only got one game in midweek, of course. It is still a very big game because it involves Rotherham. But we'll be there on Thursday. Me and Justin to have a chat about that and look ahead to some of the games coming up this coming weekend. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Our guest on the show today, Billy Grant from Be Sotted. Billy, thank you for your time. Thank you very much for having me all. And it's good to see you. And enjoy the end of the season, everybody. Thank you. Benjamin Bloom from the Benjamin Bloom YouTube channel. Thank you for your time today. Best league in the world. Best league in the damn world. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.